At the end of your life, what will be your legacy? What will you leave behind for future generations? For the world, join the world messenger, Isabella Lundberg, each week as she brings you a new distinguished guest from the business, sports, or entertainment world to share their success, their struggles, and their lessons. They will share their insights into current hot topics that affect everyone. Isabella facilitates an intimate, vulnerable environment to find the true value of humanity and real leadership. Are you ready for your legacy? The legacy that matters? Hello, hello, my beautiful friends. It's Isabella with the Carried the World Messenger, and I'm inviting you for another epic Legacy Leader Show. Today, I have an opportunity to have a conversation with outstanding women that are not only encouraged to speak in Clubhouse, but also to check in work, uh, her work and amazing passion that she has for things that she's been doing for a while right now. But I cannot wait for her to share directly um, in, in Drani Palchudri is joining us on today's Legacy Show from New York City. How are you, Indrani? I'm doing very well, thank you. Lacking sleep because I've <laughs> been doing a lot of uh, work um, with my foundation in India, so staying up around the clock, but I am very happy to be here today. I mean, you're one of those amazing people that is doing so much, you know, not only being connected to Tribeca Film, Film Festival and being involved in film industry, being award-winning innovator and award in film as a director of photographer. So obviously leveraging so much of your skill sets and then also being Princeton University visiting lecturer, but obviously you have foundation and right now you're in the midst of the crisis, the crisis since that is just getting unfortunately worse and worse. So do you mind sharing a little bit of from what part of India you're originally from and how is the situation based from in conversation with your family and your friends in India at the moment? Yes, absolutely. I'm from Beng West Bengal, from Calcutta, um, and uh, my family home is two hours away from Calcutta. And when I was a teenager, I returned to India and I realized just how dire the need is for the poor people, particularly for women and for children um, to have education and empowerment support. So I co-founded with my dad, Shakti Empowerment Education Foundation. Um, and you can learn more about it at cschool.org. That's S-E-E school.org. Um, we do a lot of, of work in the community as well as we provide education to 300 kids and women. Um, and now during the COVID crisis, we've been providing frontline support with PPE, you know, masks and all the materials for cleaning, education and emergency food. And my dad's 83 and he's still insists on being there on the ground, um, being on the front lines. He doesn't, I asked him to come back to America um, to be safer, but he um, he's very passionate about working with the community, protecting the people that uh, that we love. And, and West Bengal is the epicenter for the triple mutation variant of the COVID-19. So the virus is spreading very fast and it's affecting a lot of kids, young people, as well as older people. So, um, so we want to do everything we can to stop it. I'm sure you do. And it's so hard when it's such an amazing 
I mean, it's amazing that you're doing what you're doing. It's amazing that your dad is so committed despite his risk and age and everything uh, to his people and community and reminds me of something early on that I learned uh, as a little girl watching Gandhi's movies, but more than anything, actually uh, contributing to Mother Teresa charity. And I remember initially it was in Africa and then she moved to Calcutta and all her sharing through Mother Teresa work because she was originally from former Yugoslavia, where I'm from. And it was my first experience of foundation from uh, volunteering and donating in Africa and then later in India. So just wanted to share with you that was part of my culture, my upbringing before I ever put a foot down in Kolkata or in, in India. So just so beautiful to meet someone exactly from that region that I hold so close to my heart. So when you talk about young women and children, do you mind sharing a little bit Obviously, so much is being done to empower them, to educate them, to give them the working opportunities, um, the freedom from slavery, of sexual abuse and everything else, and also to provide healthcare. Um, before the COVID occurred, uh, you already been on the ground. So do you mind sharing a little bit about that work as well and, and what the charities focuses on um, in addition to current crisis and how others can obviously partake in that? Absolutely. So our, our charity focuses on education and providing the resources for the community. So we began by going door to door to ask the, the poorest families to let at least one of their kids go to school. Many of these children were working in the fields and the factories because their families are, are so poor that otherwise they don't have food to eat. So um, we learned early on that we had to convince families. Many of the families were illiterate and had never benefited from education themselves. So they didn't understand the ways in which education can provide a much better future for their kids. So once we started having uh, more and more kids, and now of course there's lines of kids that uh, families that want their children to have educations and we can't take care of all of them. Um, but we, what we learned very quickly is that if they don't have enough food to eat, it's very hard for them to learn. So while there's a public school system, um, they're malnourished and uh, there's often a lot of corruption in the school system so that teachers require them to do special classes in order to pass and these families are too poor to pay. So in our school everything's free and we help to integrate them into the government system so that they can go to university. Um, we also provide vocational training for the mothers, for women. Um, we do uh, all kinds of training from raising uh, geese and, and ducks to uh, handicrafts and sewing, um, which are the, the cottage industries that they're able to do. And then we also provide microfinancing for women that complete the course so that they have a little bit of startup funds so to start their own businesses. And that's been tremendously successful. We have a, an enormous, uh, I think it's a 95% rate of return where they return the loan at the end and where they're able to then go and actually employ others in their community. So going from being you know, literally begging on the streets to being able to take care of their neighbors as well. It's, it's really, really exciting to see see lives transform. Um, that is so powerful. And, and I just want to first of all, kudos you for doing that because um, specifically focusing on women and children and future generation, right? To wow. me, it's a tremendous and I'm so glad you're partaking in that part of solution. 
Well, it's been an extraordinary experience for me. I've learned so much from these women and kids. They are so resilient, so smart, so able to overcome like the most tremendous uh, adversities. And part of what I learned from them is that through the process of helping others, you can really grow as, as a person. And so, you know, I've been able to do that and my, our students are, are able to do that too. They all help each other in the community. And, uh, and that's been really powerful to see that force of positivity. Um, one of the things that, uh, that really excites me is just seeing the ways in which, you know, a, a, a small amount of money can go so far uh, in these communities. And so, Everyone who uh, thinks that they can't make a difference in the world, I urge you, there are so many ways that you can, you know, starting with, you can go to our website at cschool.org and make a donation, or you can donate your time to people in your communities that need support and, and encouragement and empowerment. And there's, there's so much that you can do to change others' lives and your own. Yes. And, and, and I love what you said, because a lot of times we wait to get ready or wait to get rich or wait to get more time or wait to get more money. Always is something. And reality is that we always have something to give and just it's a matter of figuring that out and to whom and, and figuring out all those great organizations like yours that are truly walking the talk and, and making a huge impact and difference and associating with them and support in any way we can. So with that in mind, obviously, right now with the current crisis, um, I know you've been doing some fundraising and clubhouse and aligning with other people. And I just love the spirit and how many people are coming together to support in, supporting the Indian efforts in with vaccination and awareness and everything else here in the United States. So do you mind sharing a little bit, um, what, what do you see as most pressing ways um, not only to with sense of urgency to assist and help, but also things that are already being tried and you know they're being effective um, in, in those efforts. So please share a little bit for people that are not as familiar with that region and, and as well as what they can do. Sure. Uh, one of the big problems right now is that uh, a lot of people are sending supplies to India and it's getting stuck at the airports um, because there's a lot of bureaucracy and it takes time to process. So uh, the best way to help people immediately with the COVID crisis, I believe, is to, um, to donate to existing nonprofits, ones that, that have been running for many years. Um, like ours, we've, we've been running for over 25 years. So, you know, it's not a fly by night. It's not just going, uh, you know, to some strange person. Yes. <laughs> uh, it's really important to, to or have. Or somebody's private bank account or whatever yes. might be the case, because we're seeing a little bit of that as well. Yes. So that is an excellent point. Absolutely. So it's good to look for ones that have been there for a long time. And, and I believe that it's important to work with organizations that have been that have a, a big uh, broad mandate who who can be there for the people after the covid crisis because the reality is that this problem is not going to be solved in a few days it is an ongoing crisis of covid there are many other crises as well in india um, and in the developing world that we don't hear about as often because 
you know, they don't affect us, but, um, you know, health is constantly an issue there. The reason that the virus is spreading so fast is because so many of the poor people are malnourished and they have underlying other health issues. So supporting the community as a whole um, and building the infrastructure is incredibly important. And that's what we aim to do is to help uh, by educating people so that they can then be part of the solution uh, and not the problem. That is a great mission. And obviously, education is so powerful on so many levels. I'm glad, again, to see that. And constantly, obviously, we need to re-educate ourselves because, as you said, further away, we're removed from certain issues. People tend to um, not just pay much attention or don't have a sense of urgency. And right now, we have a true crisis that has a, such a high sense of urgency. So I'm glad we have a chance to also portray that in, in, in a different way so that people can really absorb it and take action. Um, we'll definitely share your website and again, and information with the release of this podcast, but I also wanna make sure that people have a chance to really think about it because um, from the legacy standpoint, obviously it's like, it's the highest way of exercising and practicing your true purpose, right? And a lot of times we live life without even knowing what that true purpose is, let alone that we fully um, make it happen in our lifetime. It seems like you've been doing a lot of amazing things on the purpose and uh, on the sense of as a strong female leader. So do you mind sharing a little bit about your passion for arts and, and, and specifically film? Um, and if you don't mind just sharing a little bit about your projects in that arena and how are you using specifically that way of addressing some of these topics? Absolutely. I believe that filmmakers are the myth makers of our times. You know, in olden times, you had the poets, you have the songs, the myths that inspire people. Everyone wants to be a hero. And so we look to the creators of the stories for what is a hero like. Now, in today's world, uh, American film dominates and the lens through which we see 90% of filmmakers are white males. And so it's a very narrow lens, a very small um, perspective on the world. And there are so many other extraordinary perspectives to share. So I believe in sharing the voices of women, of the BIPOC community, Black, Indigenous, Asian, uh, people of color who have very different experiences and can teach us so much through seeing what, what they have experienced. And uh, being a person of color myself, I know that my experiences are very different than, um, than many of my colleagues. And I think that that creates amazing opportunities for creativity, for inspiration and for entertainment too. I think it's more fun to see how other people see the world instead of just the way that we're used to. It's also really important because we see ourselves through that lens. And when it's in such a narrow perspective, it can really create a lot of, of problems within our own minds where we doubt our own abilities. Um, we expect to see a, 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 you know, people who are heroes looking a certain way. And that's not the reality. The people who are really doing amazing work in the world, transformative work, are very often the, amongst the most underprivileged, the, the more marginalized people. So sharing those stories is a great honor for me. Um, and it's also a lot of fun. So one of the projects that I'm working on right now is Queen Bess. It's a story of Bessie Coleman, the first African-American female pilot in the 1920s. Uh, she was extraordinary. 
And she showed the world that a woman of color could do the most difficult thing at that time, which was fly airplanes. Um, so that's a story that I'm very ex excited about. Another film is on Tulsa, which was this terrible massacre that happened of the African-American community in Tulsa, Oklahoma, also in the 1920s. So sharing that story and um, the stories of survivors, um, I think is really, really important. Um, and lastly, I'm doing some films that are based in India, and that's where my passion lies as well. Um, one film is on trafficking, uh, which I've worked a lot uh, to fight trafficking. One of my short films, uh, Girl Epidemic, won a, a lot of awards and raised a lot of attention for the millions of girls that are missing in Asia, partly due to trafficking, uh, child labor and neglect, uh, and female infanticide. So, uh, you know, these are all different ways that I'm trying to tackle uh, the challenges of the world. I also work with a lot of nonprofits on different, different projects and help to um, get their messages out. Um, I teach a class at Princeton called uh, uh, Mobilizing Millions for Social Justice and Human Rights Using Art and Film. And that's really exciting because the intersection of, of art and uh, social justice is a very, very powerful area. And it's not something that gets studied very often. And uh, so being able to inspire young people directly to, to continue this kind of work and to explore what can be done, um, that's been really exciting as well. You are full of surprise, uh, surprises and then you did so many things in such a short period of time. So first of all, could are you? But I love um, how much you tie in all this together and how it's a like common thread, the passion and heart for humanity and a passion for heart for me, a female and young woman uh, that are actually the need the most, not only support, education, but also advocacy at the moment. And it's fortunate that that continues from decade after decade. And um, being involved in that arena myself, uh, from nonprofit world where I used to rehabilitate genocide, torture, war trauma, human and rape victims, uh, human trafficked and rape victims, it, it's just heart-wrenching um, to put things in perspective, Indran. I'm sure this can relate very well with what you already know yourself, but also for our audience that is listening. When we have um, less than 240 countries in the world, right? And when you have over 120 countries and working closely with people that are being affected by all of these horrible human atrocities, People cannot fund them that we're talking about more than half of the world in modern time that is being affected uh, by something that is inflicted by other humans uh, and, and not just from an environmental standpoint, right, like from natural disasters, but we're talking about wars, conflicts, and opportunities that socioeconomically are taking this advantage of disadvantaged people and vulnerability of, of young, young uh, children and specifically females. So um, I, I can't stress how important that work is and, and how much statistics are very um, gloom, gloom in terms of uh, current events and actually how actually fortunately many use the COVID and current environments and events to, uh, because it's less travel, less visibility, right? To take advantage of that. Yes, the, one of the biggest challenges during this time of COVID is that uh, all of the risks that the underprivileged um, 
kids particularly are, are at risk of in regular times are, are doubled. So the, the risk of early child marriage, the risk of, of child labor, child trafficking, domestic violence, uh, also mental health challenges, uh, suicide, all of these areas um, we're seeing numbers hugely increased. And of course, the risk of, of food insecurity and you know, starvation is also enormous, in, particularly in the poorer countries, but also in America. So we are, um, we are really doing everything we can, but we need to remember, you know, we, we think that we're struggling here. Uh, we have to remember how much, uh, how much worse it is for those who already uh, didn't have enough. And it's really important that we also remember that there is no scarcity in the world. The, we, we're living in an artificial scarcity environment. There is enough food in the world to feed every person. There is enough wealth in the world for everyone to have an education. But our existing structures um, you know, are, are against that. So people, companies prefer to throw out food than to send it to people in need. And I believe that we all need to come together and make changes so that everyone can be taken care of. This is completely within our capabilities. And so this artificial scarcity makes people think that they have to keep everything for themselves because there's not enough. And, uh, and it's just not true. So uh, if you look at the numbers, if you look at the research, we have all the capacities we need. We don't need to be destroying our planet in order to continue. There are ways that we can reorient ourselves um, and fortunately, we have a lot of wonderful innovators. You know, we have electric vehicles. We have a lot of changes. Um, each of us needs to, to make a, a small sacrifice in order to make the world better for everyone. Oh my goodness, I can't agree more. And, and it's such a great point and you're spot on. And then and a lot of times as a result, those old systems are crumbling right now and it's a great opportunity to change them, right? In some parts of the world, we see already some great positive changes and some they're lagging and it was gonna take a while. But again, education is so powerful because then when we know more, when we know better, then we do better. We make a better choices and decisions, right? Um, and and that, is, that is the power and premise of everything you do, uh, educating either through lens behind the camera or through your charity, but also through your education and trainings and everything else of the future generations. And I really, as a former educator, cannot say how um, much that resonates with me, but I also want to encourage our listeners and viewers to really look at, as you mentioned earlier, every single one of us can contribute and where is your passion and, and then how to tap into that, which really brings another question that I'm really dying to ask you. How did you get into all of this? Uh, because for me, I, I had a very early on foundation uh, how I was raised and to me was normal. Uh, but for a lot of people that is rather unusual. So I'm curious, how was your, um, upbringing determined destination or direction you're going and where you are today? Well, I have a quite a typical immigrant story, you know, growing up in India and then moving to, to England and Canada. Um, I suffered a lot. I had a lot of losses of uh, various different kinds, uh, which really helped me to grow as a person. I think suffering is essential um, to really understanding what it is to be human and, uh, and 
it was the foundation for for my compassion. I was also fortunate that my parents, uh, from a young age, you mentioned Mother Teresa, which is ironic because as as a young girl, uh, as a small child, I went with my mother. Um, my mother was a volunteer with Mother Teresa. Both of my parents actually were, and wow. so I spent a lot of time in the home for the dying, the orphanages, um, the Ramakrishna Mission, various different charities, and I got to understand that life life is very hard but that there's so much you can do even as a small child you can make people smile while they're going through the most terrible pain you know that's a that's a great gift that that I could bring and it was also a great gift for me to to get to have those experiences so I was very very fortunate to have that um, as well when I came to Canada, I, I had this terrible sense of loss of my family and friends who I thought I'd never see again. And so photography and storytelling and films uh, uh, as a related um, area, those became very important for me to hold on to the people that I loved. And uh, so I started very young doing my own photography and uh, that led to me modeling because I wanted to learn from photographers and they told me I had to just sit down and be quiet and then they'd take my pictures. So I said, okay, great. So I traveled the world as a model. I saved up a bunch of money. That's how I was able to co-found the, the school in India as a teenager. And uh, then I was fortunate that David Bowie saw some of my early photography and uh, asked me to photograph his album cover and then later as I developed as a director he gave me my first directing um, major music video for Valentine's Day which is against uh, well it was exploring the mind of a high school shooter um, so I got to reconnect with my social justice work through filmmaking um, and through the wonderful people that I was able to work with. I also shot Beyonce's album cover for her first solo debut, Lady Gaga's early art for her album debut. So I, I was able to help launch many artists' careers, um, which was really rewarding. And uh, I always believed in giving back. So before I started my career, I started the school in India. And then of course I've directed it ever since, um, but I, I found the greatest joy in in what I could do for others. You know, I that I was re really lucky to find that path for myself because I, I think I'm probably one of the happiest people that I've ever met, and it's because of these wonderful <laughs> kids. <laughs> wow, what amazing, rich life! And I'm so glad you shared that part of of uh, what you did after horrible, difficult events. It seems like even though I'm not now, even though I don't mean, I mean, I don't know for sure uh, what you've been endured uh, or where you've been uh, in order to get here, but I can just imagine. And I know that a lot of times when we see people, specifically when I worked through nonprofits, some people really never overcame the trauma, the impact and losses you said, and grievance and, and also reconciliation with all of the past events, right? Because of severity of trauma. But then also we have people that do and they step into their resilience 
resiliency, a sense of quota was so lucky in that regard. And as a result, be able to navigate and, and, and just to, again, the beauty that you exude, it's not just external, it's within. And that is so beautiful to see that you model, that you've been recognized in the world, but also that you captured uh, such amazing, not only artists and upcoming artists and now big names, or even then big names like David Bowie for me was forever like a big star, right? Uh, but that, uh, that again, way of connecting and, and, and capturing the beauty, capturing the moments in life that I find that are priceless, right? Because when you lose so much historically and geographically, we have these little capsulated mementos in a way. And I just feel like that's where my passion for videography came in. So what was the one of your favorite subjects that you capitalized uh, and that you felt the most proud and some of your most amazing works that you feel you did some um, amazing creative expression? Do you mind sharing a little bit about that? Well, one of the projects that I, I photographed and directed was called Keep a Child Alive, it was, uh, for Keep a Child Alive, it was called Digital Death, um, and I put a lot of celebrities in coffins, so Kim Kardashian, Katie Holmes, Serena Williams, uh, all kinds of wonderful celebrities who agreed to join us, and we were raising awareness against AIDS in Africa. And uh, we found that a lot of people felt like, well, I don't know these people, I can't relate. So we put the people in the coffins that they could relate to, which is you know Kim Kardashian and people like that who they care deeply for. And we asked the, the celebrities to not use their social media until we had raised um, a few million dollars for the nonprofit. And so that was a really exciting experiment and it worked, you know, people, a lot of people contributed because they wanted to hear what Kim Kardashian ate for breakfast or, you know, whatever their reason was. <laughs> it wasn't always just because they cared about the, the cause, but, uh, but the result was very powerful. And it made people stop and think about their own mortality, um, which I think is really important. Another project that I absolutely love um, was a recent one I photographed um, Eugene Braverock, who is an indigenous activist and also the star, uh, a star in Wonder Woman. Um, and he, he's gonna be joining me on a podcast, uh, actually, sorry, on Clubhouse. Uh, so Eugene's gonna be joining me on Clubhouse on Sunday at 6 p.m. Um, and we're gonna talk about the ways in which imagery and magic and spirituality come together for social justice and, and ways that we can, use our own transformative powers um, to change the world. So I, I hope people might join us. Um, it's gonna be a really fun talk with anthropologists from uh, Eric Montgomery, who's an amazing anthropologist, Nwando Achebe, who's a, one of the world's top historians on Nigeria um, and feminism. Um, we're gonna have one of the big business leaders of, one of the black community and Eugene Braverock and a number of other um, special guests. So I, I hope you'll join us as well. Oh my goodness, absolutely. We'll make sure that everybody get invited and they know exactly where they need to go. So when everybody start hearing and listening to this podcast on Sunday morning, they know where to go on Sunday afternoon and spend a great evening with you and such a phenomenal lineup of the guests. And I love about that we have so many different platforms right now, right? So where we can just hear the audio, but connect and deeper meaning. And I remember when I listened uh, to you share in the clubhouse, how authentic, how real 
fertile and raw you were and how down to earth you are. And then that's so beautiful when I see people that accomplish so much, but yet they stayed in essence, true to themselves, true to their value, and, and they're so approachable. And I just wanted to, first of all, kudos you for not only being amazingly remarkable yourself, but the also are showing up and, and obviously showing up today on Legacy Leaders Show because um, the work that you already do is tremendous legacy and it's already echoing and making tremendous impact. But I knowing just from listening about you and your work, I'm sure it's a lot more there in the bucket list you'd like to accomplish. So do you mind sharing what the future holds? What are you trying to, uh, or what are you working on would like to uh, see making happen? Oh, there's, there are some wonderful projects that I'm working on. One of them is actually for uh, a, prog uh, it's a program to help people to read who have dyslexia or, or ADHD. Um, so that's called Read LS. And I'm working to help bring that to the, to the world, to the children and adults around the world. Um, another is uh, my foundation in India. We're, we're growing. Um, we're, it's, it's called Empowerment. Um, productions and we're going to be doing more films that are empowering and inspiring um, so I hope people will join me there and uh, and on the film projects that I'm currently working on uh, you know these are all in progress and they're, we're looking for partners um, in them for both for funding and uh, on the production side so be uh, amazing opportunities to, to tell some of the most important stories of our times and I invite everyone to, to join me on my website, which is indrani.com. Um, you can see some of my work there, and that's the best way to contact me. That is fantastic. And your name is so beautiful again. it's And then we'll have a link for everybody so that you can hear that and see it uh, and podcast and on the show summary. But Indrani, with that in mind, obviously, I'm curious, what, what would you like to be known for? What is your legacy? Obviously, you have a lot in bucket list left to do, but ultimately, with your purpose and your vision for your life and everything you do, what would you be something that you will say, I'm so grateful I accomplished that because um, at some point was untainable and today it's there because of, you know, purpose-driven life that you live? Well, for me, uh, my, my goal in life is to inspire people and really for people to recognize what they're capable of and to recognize that we can make the future how we imagine it, how we want it to be. We just have to work together. So my goal is to have a sustainable planet, um, to uh, have a planet where people take care of each other, where everyone is educated, where everyone has food, um, and where these are prioritized. That's, um, that's my great passion. So I, personally, I, of course, love to share stories through films. Um, as, as a director, that's, that's my, my greatest um, uh, joy is, is directing. Um, but I also love teaching. And so teaching at Princeton or wherever I may be in the future, um, I, I'm truly grateful for those opportunities to connect directly with young people. And, uh, and to see the amazing projects that they're able to do. So yeah, for, for me, it's a combination and uh, wherever I can be of most uh, value, that's, that's where I go. That is brilliant and so beautiful. 
Um, and if you don't mind now with that in mind, what would you like to leave the listeners and viewers with? Because um, obviously some may even get a little bit intimidated because again, you're very young yet very accomplished and you did so much. And then you use your personal experiences and early on strategies in life to use as a springboard and show over and over your resiliency, your strength and, and assimilation in the new environments and also showing what's really possible, breaking those stigmas and silos as a woman, as a foreigner, as an immigrant, um, and then stepping up into your power. So what would you, specifically female listeners and viewers, um, leave them with so that they can hone that power within themselves? I would say women are incredibly powerful, that each of us has the capacity to create life. Um, and we have the capacity to make the world the way that we want it to be for future gen generations. And I think that we have to tap into that power and we have to come together. I think it's very, very important that women unite together and support each other. Uh, a lot of times, uh, for me, the, the greatest opportunities I've had have, have been often from, from men who have believed in my abilities, but, um, but I think it's super important that as women, we help each other and we protect each other um, because there, there are a lot of dangers in the world. And uh, you know, a big part of the Me Too movement that I felt was missing was holding women accountable as well for, for taking care of each other. So uh, that's what I, I hope that we will all learn to do and uh, not be afraid of competition, but rather see the, the benefits of collaborating. I can't agree more. And that is something that really makes my heart sing because you spot on. Uh, it's a time also to dissolve the, the, the walls and barriers that we impose on each other. And instead of competing to be more collaborating and supporting of each other, because fortunately still we see a lot of evidence specifically in corporate America and uh, of, of, of that competing versus complementing and, and uh, sabotaging even a woman's success and instead of being um, their supporter and cheerleader and opening opportunities or, um, for everyone to thrive. And I love, again, your mentality that you come from not lack of, lacking of something, but more about that abundant way of thinking and being. And that is obviously something that everybody ultimately desires for themselves and their own communities. So it's such a beautiful uh, way to be and do. Well, thank you. I, I, I totally agree. I think understanding that we have an abundance, each of us individually, we have an abundance of skills and abilities to make the world better. And as a whole, we are an incredible kind of, of animal. You know, we, we have all these incredible abilities to come together and we have to use those. We can't just be going in our comfort zones. We have to step out uh, and we have to change the world to be what we want it to be. And uh, there's there's a lot of wonderful people doing that. And each one of us needs to be a force of change. That is brilliant. So for everybody, again, watching and listening, uh, please make sure you go to indrani.com, check her website, also go on LinkedIn. She has a phenomenal profile and opportunity for you to see um, what she's been up to and what she's doing to stay in touch on Instagram. And of course, find her in Clubhouse, attend her event uh, later on Sunday. And also, 
look at what's possible because again, when you pay attention, when you listen, when you learn from different people, you can see that you can still be um, doing and leveraging multiple different ways uh, of expressing yourself, yet staying authentically beautiful you and powered you as Indrani is demonstrating over and over again. So everybody, thank you so much for taking your time to be with us today. Indrani will be back, I promise you that, and we'll hear more from her. Uh, but I just wanna make sure everybody is taking a moment to follow you, engage with you, and learn from you. And of course, contributing right now, I wanna also make sure that we're pledging our time and efforts our financial means, whatever you can to make a difference. So Indrani, where do you need to go in order to pledge a financial support or any types of support to your charity and current situation in India? Yes, please go to www.cschool.org. That's S-E-E school.org. And you can donate there. Um, you can also, you can note there if you want the funds to go towards education or COVID-19 support, you know, there's different areas depending on what you care about the most. Um, please do also follow us on Instagram and Facebook and share the message with others because that's a very big part of being a movement is, uh, is not only doing our own part, but helping others as well and uh, join us on Clubhouse. Um, I'm really honored to be a Clubhouse creator first finalist and it's our pilot show Sunday night at 6 p.m. Eastern time. Wow, I didn't know that, that's fantastic. So that is huge. So they already made a decision and already um, shared, that is fantastic. Um, oh yeah, no, I'm, I'm thrilled to be one of the finalists. There's 60 of us. So if everyone comes to our show, then maybe we'll, we'll get a chance to win. So I, I certainly hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic, but that is beautiful. Congratulations. And for guys that you are not familiar with Clubhouse, I mean, it's a platform that now allowed Android users to be there. Initially, we're only Apple users, but it's a platform that is bringing everybody from wide range of industries together, from thought leaders, amazing and artists, musicians, entertainers, and entertainment industry, all the way, creatives, obviously, all the way to uh, serial entrepreneurs and so much more around the world. So I feel like the world was never as connected during the COVID if it was not for our the Clubhouse. So again, take advantage of that. And I look forward, Indrani, to join on Clubhouse on Sunday and learning more from your guests. And again, congratulations on phenomenal achievements. Thank you so much. Really appreciate you. And, and uh, this has been such a, such a pleasure getting to speak with you today. Thank you for listening to Legacy Leader Show. If you enjoyed the content and had a positive experience, then please leave us a positive rating. In addition, leave us positive review whenever you are listening on whatever platform there might be. Make sure your friends and family also know about the benefit and value that we provide and what we have to offer. Cheers.